This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Hey, everyone. I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome to the show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-host and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is episode 52 of the show. We are brought to you this week by HealthyMoving.com. Later in today's show, we'll hear more from Jen Hoffman of Healthy Moving, who took the time to sit down with me so we could explore more of her mission behind Healthy Moving and why it just might be your next awesome of the week or even your awesome of the year. And that is coming up later in today's show. This week, I am so excited to welcome to the show a very special guest co-host, Dana White of the wildly popular blog and podcast, A Slob Comes Clean. We have heard from lots and lots of you awesomes that you just love Dana's message of reality-based cleaning and organizing. So we are so thrilled for you to join us on the show today. Dana, welcome to Sorta Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay! Well, I cannot wait to dig into more of your story, of your cleaning philosophy, of some of the secrets behind running your blog later in today's show. But we're going to start the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. And I wanted to kick off this week with an Awesome of the Week, and that is an article that I read recently on the internet. I get sometimes stuck in a rut where I'm just sharing the same kinds of awesomes over and over again. But this time I actually have an article that I would love to point people to because I found it to be so fascinating. So this is an article I found via a friend of mine, Nicole Bennett. She's another blogger. She shared this article with me. It's at a website called OutsideOnline.com. And the name of it is the new science of the creative brain on nature. So Dana, as a fellow creative type, I'm sure this is the kind of thing that you can really relate to thinking about how our creative brains work. So in this article, um, the writer Carolyn Gregory, she wrote about how a neuroscientist named David Strayer has put out some new research about how being in nature promotes our creative thinking. In fact, he is using like really high tech scientific stuff. <laughs> That's the technical name. <laughs> That's the part I skip over. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Things like EEGs to study brain activity, to look at the positive effects on the actual ways our brains work after we have been out in nature. And I really love the way he kind of breaks down for this article, all of the different positive effects. One of them that you may very well know is about how it restores our attention. As somebody who works online, Dana, I'm sure that you also are like me. You have lots of things that grab our attention to where we need to be on the computer, on our phone, on social media, and our attention. I don't know about you, but for me, my attention can feel really split. (laughs) Yes. So that's one of the main things that I loved about it. And the other thing that I wanted to share, I'm not going to share the whole article, and I really, really encourage you to go read it. Of course, I'll I'll pop a link into the show notes so you can go check it out. But I loved how he talked about that being in nature actually activates what he calls our imagination network. So when we're in nature and we are not distracted by our devices, we are really fully just in nature, no phone in our hands, Um, just really experiencing the beauty around us, what happens in our brain is the prefrontal cortex quiets down 
And that allows our imagination network to get fired up. So anytime that you have seen, like if you turn loose kids out into the backyard or at a park and they just have like some free unstructured playtime, we've all seen this happen. In fact, hopefully we remember from our childhoods this kind of thing happening too where you just grab sticks and rocks and whatever is available to you, the old wagon that's out in the backyard, and our imaginations turn it into all kinds of really fun things. Well, the same thing still happens even when we are grown-up adults, although we do tend to lose our connection with nature, unfortunately, along the way. But the activation of the, the imagination network can really help those of us who are creative types or any person really who needs to think of like a creative solution to a problem, being in nature activates that and allows us to engage parts of our brain that do not really work quite as well when we're so distracted by having so many sensory inputs coming all the time. In fact, what I really loved about this article too, is he talks about this imagination network can even be activated when we're just doing something like washing the dishes, taking a walk around the block, or even when we're showering which I think a lot of people have that aha moment when they're in the shower, they're maybe thinking through a problem or trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do about this? Or wouldn't it be cool if this happened? You just kind of go into that zone. And and I really have found that the same is true when I'm washing dishes as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like the, the thing just comes to you. And this article does a great job of explaining the brain science of why that happens. So I was really excited and so thankful to my friend Nicole for passing this article along to me. As soon as I read it, I knew this was going to be my next awesome of the week. So Dana, speaking of being in nature, I know that you just got back from spending some time getting to enjoy being out and about in nature. And I think that that might be a little bit of what you're going to share with us for your Awesome of the Week. It is. It's funny because I pretty much feel like our Awesomes of the Week are the exact same thing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like yours is the scientific and then I'll just apply it because mine is... uh, you know, you told me you'd asked me to be on this. and I was so excited. And, um, and we were on spring break and I was like, this is awesome. This is my awesome of the week because, okay, I love an exciting vacation. Like I love Disney. I love planning trips and things like that. But I also see equal or more value in our times where we go to my parents' lake house and it's nothing fancy. I know sometimes people think lake house, they think like a dock, right? No, it's not that, (laughs) but it's a place to be. I mean, it's, and there's just a place where we get away and there's such value in that. Um, and seeing just what that does for my children, for me, for my husband, um, there's just such value in an unexciting vacation. And I especially love going back to the same place over and over because they kind of, there isn't anything new to explore, but it shows them the beauty of re-exploring and just, you know, going back to the same place and riding their bikes and, you know, playing basketball and all those things that are nothing that we can't do at home. But for some reason, it's just familiar and beautiful and that family time. I, I just, to me, there's such value in those weeks and there's, stuff going on at the lake place or whatever that we may not have that forever. And so I think I'm extra sensitive to it right now and thinking, okay, if we didn't have this, how could I create that? Because that is so important. So, you know, finding a place, I know there's lots of people who rent a cabin for a week or something. I think we have to do that because there's such beautiful value in that kind of time. I totally agree. I love that. I am all about an unstressed actual vacation where, yeah, where everybody is just relaxing, enjoying being together. So much fun. So much fun. So I'm so even though it usually means I have to cook. (laughs) Right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which I know is some people's definition of not being a vacation. But that's why I kind of like both. Like I like the one where we have an excuse to eat out all the time. But I really there it's worth it to me. It's actually worth still cooking and still doing dishes. But yes. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That is so great. So fun. All right. Well, Dana, as you may know, when we invite guest co-hosts onto the show, I always love to start with a little thing we call the five minute life story. Like I said, lots and lots of you awesomes who are listening are very familiar with Dana and her work. But just so that we can back up a little bit and hear more about who she is, where she has come from, 
so that we can get to know her a little bit better in today's episode. Dana, five-minute life story. I would love to hear more about where you've come from and how you have gotten to where you are right now. Well, I grew up in the Dallas area and had a great, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people who I have nothing to complain about with my childhood. At the time, I could have complained plenty, but I really <laughs> sure. look back and say, this is the childhood I want to create for my children. You know, oh, that's very, so great. Um, you know, just loving parents, loving home, all that kind of stuff. Um, my only real thing about it that I didn't love was that it wasn't exciting enough Uh, for me. I Uh wanted exciting things to happen. Um, I wanted real stories to tell and things. So I basically, as I grew into adulthood, you know, I went to um, work at a camp when I was in high school, you know, because I wanted to go away and do something exciting. And then I went out of state to college. And then after college, I um, went overseas to Thailand and taught there for two years. Um, So that was my That's a lot of adventure. Yeah, I really like that was me. I wanted to have that adventure. Well, right before I left for Thailand, I kind of fell in love with with someone I had known for a really long time. But we just fell in love that summer before I moved. And so what was funny is all these, you know, all this getting more and more exciting or trying to seek after adventure. And then 20 days after I moved back from Thailand... I married my husband oh, and wow. we That's live so near family. Yeah. So I basically live an hour from where I grew up. So, yeah. um, but at the same time for me, it's wherever God's put me and strangely, he's brought me back here. So I, I taught, I taught theater arts and I, after we had children, I stayed home and that's been 14 and a half years now, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a 14 year old. It's crazy. I know. It is. So, um, but anyway, so I started staying home and that was my ultimate goal in everything was I wanted to be a mom. That was who I was aiming to be in my life, you know? Um, so I loved being a mom, but my house didn't really match up to what I had envisioned my house was going to be like when I had children. Um, I really, I had been messy my entire life. I was the messy kid. I had the mess. I had that locker in high school that you open it up and everything falls out. That's me, you know? Right, yes. <laughs> um, so I had always been messy, but I just assumed that once I stayed home with kids, I wouldn't be messy anymore because, I mean, duh, what else would I have right, to do, exactly, right? exactly, yes. Right? I relate to so, that so um, much, yes. So this kind of this disconnect was happening between I'm exactly where I want to be. I've arrived like my whole life. I had kind of said, oh, well, next phase, I'll be I won't be messy anymore. Well, the next phase would happen. I was still messy. You know, anyway, so I was stay at home mom. This was a frustration. I would work and work and work on trying to change. So I was always looking for a creative outlet. And I always thought I wanted to write. Um, and then I discovered blogging uh-huh. and realized what blogging was and that people were writing and other people were reading it. Um, I discovered blogging in I think it was April of 2008. Okay. But I did not start blogging for a year and a half because of my house because I knew I know how I am. I obsess over things. I like throw myself into stuff. And I just knew that I could not, I couldn't have one more thing, take my focus Uh, away from my home. And I also wanted to write about, you know, motherhood and all that stuff that at the time I didn't realize, you know, I mean, at the time I thought, Oh, this is a new idea. (laughs) um, (laughs) Now that is, um, but I wanted to write about those things, but I thought, Oh, what if someone found out what my house looked like? And I, I have, I suffer from excessive honesty. Like I can't, (laughs) I can't hide anything. It like, like whatever I think is going to come. I mean, I'm, I try to be nice and everything, but I just, I can't, I can't pretend to be one way or whatever if I'm not. And so I just, put it off. And I kept working on my house and I would get more frustrated because I had all these noble reasons before to do it for my family, to do it for the right reasons. But now I had this actual like reason, this thing I wasn't getting to do because of that. And so anyway, after about a year and a half, my second child was going to go to kindergarten. And I was like, this is the time to start a blog. And that was when I started A Slob Comes Clean as a practice blog. I'm going to get my house under control. I'm going to write about it. You know, I had been, one of my favorite blogs was uh, A Year of Slow Cooking. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. And so I loved her, like, I just loved this kind of challenge that she had, you know, and so I thought, okay, well, I'll just, 
pride about getting my house under control. And so that will work and it'll take like three or four months and my house will be totally perfect. <laughs> and then um, I will start my real blog. And so but I thought, you know, that'll kind of let me do this, but it was never going to be my real blog. So that was six and a half years ago. And turns out this is my real blog. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, what's fun is part of a, a real frustration for me for a long time was that my life wasn't exciting. You know, I kind of went through this time because we live in a small town. I mean, you know, when I, when I lived in Thailand, I could say, I live in Thailand and people go, Oh, that's really cool. You know, yes. but if you tell people where I live now, they're like, okay, you know, <laughs> right. So <laughs> there was nothing exciting about it, but it's, it's like, God has provided this way for me to get to do my thing. You know, I always call it my um, my stay-at-home mom version of performance art, you know? Because, right. I mean, I have a podcast and I make videos and I write and I get to basically do whatever I want to do and get that creative fix that I so desperately need while also staying focused on my house. And it's been a really good thing, even though it's not the way I would have planned it at all. Well, I love that. I love that story. I'm sure that so many of us can relate to that where you think that you're going to be doing one thing, and then it kind of slowly over time evolves into something totally different than what you thought you were that that path yes. you were headed down. So I love that. I know that so many women have been so encouraged by your approach to cleaning, to organizing. I know for me, I have, I'm like you, I've always been just a messy person. And I think a lot of the time, it feels like the cleaning blogs, the organizing blogs, the books, uh, the speakers who come in and speak and do seminars, they're like naturally organized people. Yeah. <laughs> and that's natural what I, cleaners. That's what I say all the time. I'm like, the dirty little secret about most organizing advice is it's written by organized people yes. and their brains don't work the way my brain works. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. So I am one of the many, many people out there who have been so encouraged by your whole approach to it. Just calling your blog and then later the podcast, <laughs> A Slob Comes Clean is so refreshing. It really is. <laughs> it was awful though. Like I hated using that word. I really tried to think of any other word I could possibly think of and could not, which is weird because I was wanting to be a writer, you yes. know, but <laughs> I, it's like my brain just wouldn't work with that. I'm so glad I used that word because it does. I mean, it just immediately goes to, okay, let's just be honest here. Yes. yes. <laughs> there's no pretending. There's no, it's, it's just total honesty. So why, why should I hide something? Well, yeah. I love that. I love it. Well, I would love to know from you. I mean, you, like you said, you, you chose that word and you kind of went with it and revealing through the years that you have been doing this work, some of your, you know, biggest weaknesses. And just, it, I feel like it takes a lot of vulnerability to put yourself out there and be like, hey, my house is a mess. And, and here's what I'm going to do about it. So um, how has that been for you to kind of know that what you're putting out into the world for some people would feel really extremely vulnerable? How has that been? And, and is there a, a sense of relief from it? Or do you have you ever felt like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm about to post this, but here goes all the time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Always. Well, I have to be very clear that in the beginning, this was a secret. Like I didn't tell anyone, nobody I knew, knew about this blog. I didn't even tell my husband for like oh, wow. six weeks. Yeah. Oh my gosh, how funny. I know. I made a, that's where Noni, you know, some people know me as Noni. That's where that comes from. It's short from an, for anonymous because, okay, yes. I mean, I set up a whole new email address. Um, I think, I, I think it was Noni Blanco because Blanco <laughs> is Spanish for white, you know, yes. <laughs> because this wasn't going to be real. And so it didn't matter, you know, and so right. it was just this. It was just this fake name and and it, that gave me kind of it's like it's like when I was the mascot for the, you know the cheerleaders and it's like I put that costume on and all my inhibitions went away right. you know and yeah. it's there's just this beauty and as a theater teacher the same thing I'm like if I will get my kids costumed up or put a mask on them it's like all of a sudden your inhibitions go away it's true. because it's not you right. that's sharing all of this and so that I think is a lot of it but yeah it was a total secret for such a long time and it's like I just I had come to this point where I said okay if I'm gonna do this I might as well just go all the way no not all the way like tell people who I was right but, um, <laughs> 
but you know, show the real pictures and all that. And I, I mean, for a long time, my goal was to eventually just erase it all and have it not even exist, you know? So that's, that's been more of the process for me of that openness and that vulnerability has been going from this fake name to actually bringing the real me together with that, you know? And that was about two years into it that I really, it took about two years for, first of all, for me to realize that this was my real blog. I mean, right. that that basically was what it came down to was I, for the first two years, kept thinking, okay, okay, this has taken more than the three or four months that I thought it was going to take, but, you know, eventually I'm going to start my real blog. But, oh, you know, af- over probably that second year was when I started to realize First of all, I realized I wasn't the only one out there because I really, when I first started it, I thought I was the only person who struggled like this. But pretty much immediately, as soon as people started reading, you know, nobody was rude about it. I thought people were going to tell me to get off the Internet, you know, (laughs) because, oh, my goodness, this is horrendous. I can't believe that you live this way or whatever. And instead, people were just like, oh, my goodness, this is me, too. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, being honest and saying the thoughts that are in your head, because that's how my brain works, too. And so realizing that was a big thing. But I still, I think what it came down to is for the longest time, I just could not imagine how I could actually help other people in this area because it was such a struggle. And I was like, why would anyone want to take cleaning advice from me? I mean, of all (laughs) people in the whole entire world, why would anybody look to me for cleaning help or organizing help or whatever? But so it was kind of that adjustment to realizing people were taking advice from me, even though I was saying, I'm not giving advice. Okay. Yes. Right. (laughs) Like I was arguing with them and saying, I am not giving advice, but they would say, oh, no, no. Well, I'm doing what you're doing. And so that, that was a big part of the process was just realizing that I had something of value to actually share. And is at that point when you kind of were able to accept that, embrace that part of it, is that when you decided to sort of come out as yourself and reveal who you were? Or was there a, a, something else that happened that made you decide to go with your real name? Well, okay, here's, here's basically what happened. The second I went to a blogging conference after my first year of blogging, uh-huh. thinking that I was going to learn stuff for the real blog that I would eventually start, Uh, you know? Yes. Uh Uh, Yeah. And I went and the bloggers there were all so accepting and wonderful and loving. And they were all like, oh, no, this is your real blog. Uh And it's like they wouldn't even listen to me when I was like, no, 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 no. This isn't my real blog. (laughs) And I remember somebody saying, (laughs) I remember somebody saying like something was, I think, soap.com was a sponsor. And they said, oh, they'd be a great, um, they'd be great for you since you're a cleaning blog or an organizing blog or something. And I was like, I'm not an organizing blog. (laughs) What are you talking about? Right. Yes, you are. (laughs) I was like, I'm the opposite of one. And then he said, no, this is what you are. I came home from that and started taking the blog I had more seriously, even though I still thought it was just me figuring it out for later. Right. Yeah. And then the second year I went back to that, yeah, I went back to that same conference and they had a session on YouTube and I was like, oh yeah, I would love to do YouTube because you know, the theater part of me and all that. What she talked about was not necessarily the practical stuff that I thought I was going to get, but it was very impactful because she focused on the fact that you're not a blogger. You have a message that you're sharing. Yeah. And so if you have a message, then you put that message in your blog, you put that message in podcasts, which was kind of the first time that had really come up in my brain. Um, You put that message on YouTube because different people consume content in different ways. And you're going, you just, your goal needs to be to reach more people with your message. And she just kept coming back to this whole idea of a message. And I was like, I don't know what my message is. And then that's when it kind of clicked for me. And I realized, oh, I have a message, which is not, here's how to be perfect, but there's hope. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's my message. And once I kind of identified that message, that shifted everything for me. And it was after that that I wrote my first ebook. And when I wrote my first ebook, I didn't want to use my fake name on it because I was like, this was a lot of work. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they are a lot of work. That's so true. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I think I'm ready. And that was at the same time kind of after that realizing that whole message thing was when it started to sink in that this was the real 
thing for me, which was at the same time when my daughter was going to kindergarten, because I'd always said I was not going to make it a business business until she went to school. When she went to kindergarten, I said, okay. And so I was able to throw all my time into the blog at that point. And I had all these people in my town who were like, oh, hey, your kids are all in school now. What are you doing? Right. Yes, and that's, that does happen. <laughs> it is this weird question that you get. Yes. <laughs> like, hey, you'd be great to run the fundraiser or whatever. <laughs> and yet I was crazy busy, you yes. know, with all the blogging stuff and writing the ebook and everything. And so at that point, I basically just said, I'm going to stop avoiding the question. You know, I'm going to answer the question honestly. So I I still don't just tell people what I do. But when they ask, I'll be honest about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Yes. And so around that time of putting out your ebook and remind us of the title of your ebook. I know it's on your site and we will totally put a link in the show notes, but help us. Well, actually that one, um, that's 28 days to hope for your home. And Uh it's actually just recently come down because- It's going to be included as an appendix in my first traditionally published book, which comes out in November. Oh, that's so exciting. So awesome. So we can't find that one anymore, but you do still have one up on your site. Yes. I have drowning and clutter and teaching kids to clean. Yeah. So I have a couple others. That's the one to really help you just go day by day go from any state of being overwhelmed into, okay, I think I can do this. Gotcha. Gotcha. That totally makes sense then that that's what kind of when it all came together and you just decided to run with it. And we are so glad that you did for sure. I'm curious what your friends and family think now, like you said, you didn't even tell your husband about it for the first six weeks of the blog. Now that you've been doing this for so long, what is the response from your friends and family about your work? I will say it's shocking to me still. I'm a little more used to it, but I still find myself surprised at how supportive people are because for the longest time, it was so hard on my husband to not be able to tell people because he was so proud of me. Uh, I mean, I am, I'm creative. And so I was always coming up with ideas and the way he would say it is, I'm just glad you're finally actually doing this one. Yeah. Yes. Because he was used to me having (laughs) I would have great ideas all the time. And then I wouldn't actually follow through. But this one I was following through and he, he was reading it and he loved it. And he was just, it just killed him that he couldn't share it with people. And then he would come home and he'd say, I told so-and-so, I'm so sorry, but I just had to tell him I was so excited for you. And (laughs) so cute. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And so, and I would ask him, I'm like, so really, I mean, your wife is showing awful pictures of our messy house and you're still proud of me. I mean, it just was, it was really shocking to me. And the same thing with my parents. They've always been supportive. So I didn't ever think they would be horrified, but I I really just am amazed at how supportive people are. And they're just excited for me. And I would say 99% of the people that find out about it, just laugh. They're like, (laughs) oh, yeah. uh (laughs) And then they're excited for whatever's going on. So it it really is. It's hard, though. I mean, I love it, but I hate that I have to tell my deepest, darkest secret when I also tell them what I do. That's the weird thing, which ultimately is very freeing, you know, because what else is there to hide? Sure. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But, you know, when you when somebody asks you what you do and you tell them and then if they keep asking any questions, I end up having to tell them the thing that I would never tell anybody if it wasn't for this. You know, so it's a weird thing. Exactly. I can see how that would be very strange. In fact, I was just sitting here thinking like, if I had a friend who I knew was like all about like publicly, like I'm, I'm kind of slobby. I would be like, can we have coffee at your house? Because, (laughs) because I, you know, I, I think there would be so much freedom in just, embracing it and owning it and saying, this is a process that I work on a lot. And I'm encouraging people to work on their stuff too. And then we don't have to scurry around and do that last minute perfection thing before anybody comes over. So that's true. I mean, that's one of the things that people always, you know, ask, how have things changed? I'm like, well, I've come up with routines that actually work for my personality and my brain. And I've decluttered like nobody's business. And so all of that has helped. But at the same time, realizing that I'm not the only one out there and that it actually encourages other people to know that somebody else struggles yes. gives me so much more freedom to say, come on over. It's not perfect, but come on over, whatever. Right. You know, I mean, 
to know that it's actually helpful to other people is, is really a game changer. I love it. I love it. Isn't it so fun to hear Dana White talk about the message that drives her work? Well, I asked our wonderfully awesome sponsor, Jen Hoffman of HealthyMoving.com, to tell us more about what fuels the fire for her business. One thing that we do talk about a lot is the awesomeness and the joy and the thrill of answering the calling on your life. And I know through our many conversations that you genuinely do feel that your message of having that movement interwoven in wonderful and practical ways throughout the day is the calling on your life. What are some of the most awesome parts of that, of getting to live that out every day? Because I work with people who have been in, I don't want to say a war with their body, but in some respects, people who've not been able to trust their body and not been able to feel great about their body. Every email, I could get choked up just thinking about it. Every email that I get from someone who tells me about what happens in their life because they start to feel good in and about their body, I just need, like, even just one of them is enough to fuel me for the rest of my career. And I have been blessed to get those emails on a regular basis. And I feel like all I'm doing is turning them back toward themselves. It's not about me or really my message. It's just about showing them the amazing creation that they are. When you don't feel good about your body, it impacts your ability to live out your mission, your thing that you're here to do, that's your unique purpose. And so when I can help somebody overcome a barrier that's keeping them from that, that's just like the best feeling in the entire world. To find out more about how the Healthy Moving Program can help you overcome the barriers standing in the way of you living out your calling, go to healthymoving.com slash sorta awesome or text sorta awesome to 33444 where Jen has a free offer and more information waiting for you. And now back to the show. Well, I also know, and you've kind of alluded to this a little bit in our conversation, I know that encouraging people who are dealing with their clutter, dealing with their mess at home, that is actually just one part of your life. It's your business, it's your message, but I know you have other things going on. I love that you talked about your YouTube videos. I have checked out some of those. They are (laughs) so funny and so entertaining. And you talked about, you know, your past with theater arts. So what are some of the other parts of your life that don't get as much airtime as your um, ability to help those of us who are in the trenches with our messes. What are some other things that you have going on? Well, right now, having just finished writing this book, I kind of like my brain just goes, I don't have any other life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I totally get that. Yes, there's there's nothing. No, but I I do the drama for our church. So I am very, very thankful that I um, have a pastor who is completely supportive and whatever I want to do drama wise, he will let me do, you know, so I, I've done stuff like I will write, you know, it depends on what, you know, sermon series is coming up, you know, who usually run it by me and I'll say, Hey, I have an idea for that. You know, so one time we did when he was preaching on the book of Acts, I did uh, monologues for each sermon, you know, with different characters where people are, we called it testify and they are, sharing, you know, from first person perspective, what, you know, what it was that the story was, the scripture was that he was going to be preaching on that day. So, you know, that kind of stuff, I'll usually write a Christmas drama for us. Yeah. So that's, that's that's very fun to me. Yes. Yeah. I bet. I bet. And then I also do, my kids are in um, fourth, fifth and sixth, you know, I've got, I have one eighth grader right now, but it feels like I've been in this kind of phase for a long time, you know, cause they're always in there and they are in show choir at their school. And ah, so okay. I will, I direct the, the drama for that. Um, you know, they do a musical every year and the teacher does all the, she does all of the casting so that there's no question that I cast my own children or anything like that. <laughs> <Right>. And then <laughs> she does the casting and she does the music and she does the set and I just come in and direct the drama. So that's, that's fun and a way for me to kind of be in that part of their life and help them, have those opportunities. So 
I love it. I love how you are still bringing those talents and, and the things that you have been doing for a long time and, and bringing it into this season of life that you are in. I love that. And that's just one more reason why I love the big kid stage of life. I say that all the time, but I am enjoying my older kids so much more. Yeah, like you said, you know, yours are into show choir. I have one who's into music, another one who's into any extracurricular activity offered at school, she signs up for it. I have one of those too. It's crazy. I love it. Because yes. <laughs> that was me. I yes. was exactly like that. Yeah. Right. Yes. In fact, listening to you talk about how you are always wanting something more exciting and looking for adventure, it reminds me very much of my younger daughter. She is very much like that. So, but yeah, having the big kids and getting to see them develop into who they're going to be as people and this stage of parenting has just been so wonderful. I love how you are incorporating your your gifts into that as well. So fun. I've been told though by my boys who one is going to be in high school and the next one's going to be in junior high next year that um, I said, well, do you, should I volunteer to help with the theater there? And they're like, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, okay, fine. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes those older kids, yeah, they make that, they make the switch. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you were all about it when I was doing this with you in fourth, fifth and sixth, but now no, mm -mm, don't want you. Okay, well, here's another thing that I have really been wanting to ask you, you know, in in the day and age that we are in, any topic can become controversial. I mean, just the most mundane thing people can find themselves arguing over, especially on the internet, taking sides over. I'm sure even in the realm of cleaning that this comes up. I would love to hear if you have maybe inadvertently even touched on anybody's cleaning hot topics or their their buttons that really set them off that got them upset about something if there is a topic that turned into something controversial. Well, you know, honestly, I, I have to clarify and say that in general, I cannot believe that I don't get more of that than I do. Right. Because Partly because that is what I expected. I expected people to be horrified. Not that it doesn't happen. I mean, it happens, but I'm really conscious because when I kind of made the shift into being the chief slob, you know, (laughs) yes, (laughs) like these are my people and I'm going to protect them and provide a safe place where they don't feel judged. Uh It never, it's never happened necessarily on my site. Even Uh sometimes on Facebook, when something gets going kind of strong, I kind of go, Oh, great. Cause that's when people who don't know what in the world's going on land on it. And then they say something awful or whatever. So I, but I'm, I really just hide those or delete those as soon as I figure out what's going on, you know, I'll, I'll get rid of it. But the thing that consistently gets people's undies in a wad, um, is recycling because that is a great thing, but my people tend to be idealists Ah, to the point where it actually stops them from doing anything. Like this is the ideal. I should take you know, this here and that here and that there. And um, that's what I should do, but I can't, or I don't have the time, or I even don't just have the follow through. And so I end up just paralyzed with that's the best way, but I can't actually follow through on that. So then I don't do anything. And so it's, it's tough, you know, because I, of course, I absolutely recycle anytime that I can. I live in a small town and not all small towns have The recycling capabilities that other places do. And I resent the fact that we don't have easier recycling. But at the same time, I feel like, okay, this is who I am. And it's probably good that I don't. Because I know that a lot of times people live in a bigger city. You know, where my parents live, they have have a recycling garbage thing or whatever that's the same size as their regular trash. And so recycling is a no-brainer. Of course, you're going to do that. For us... We used to have once a month recycling pickup mm-hmm. that you had to go pick up these special bags from City Hall. And, you know, anyway, and we would do that. Well, then they stopped doing even that. So now we have nothing. And so it's it's tough yes. because, yes, ideally, absolutely, we should do this. And anytime that we can, you know, my husband takes all of our paper products to the paper recycling stuff. But if it comes down to leave it in my house because I feel bad about this and what I actually have no capability to do. Or taking action. I mean, like, I I can't, it's not an option to just leave it in my house and be mad because I can't recycle it. Right. You know, instead, I just need to get rid of it. And my whole thing is if you can get your clutter down to a point 
where you are so much less overwhelmed, then you are able to act on those things that you really want to do. That's like so true. Taking yes. it and recycling it. But when it's just this huge overwhelming mess, there may be a point where you just need to throw things away. I, I have this one post um, about birthday cards and um, I talk about how to declutter birthday cards and like it's just pretty much silly which is like I have this picture of me reading it and going oh and then I have this picture of me throw it in the trash can <laughs> and <laughs> because you know it's like I am totally sentimental and I've I've had to kind of move away from that because I'm like wait a minute <laughs> being so sentimental was making my house horrible you know oh, right <laughs> so I had to you know I've, I've moved away from that sentimentality um but the thing that people get so upset about every time is don't you mean the recycling bin oh my goodness and yes And what's funny is when I wrote that post, I actually thought about saying recycling bin. And then I realized, but I didn't. Right. I threw it in the trash can. That's the truth. Yes, I should have taken it to the other room and I should have put it in the box that my husband takes for paper recycling. And I didn't. I didn't even think about it. I stuck it in the trash can. And so I just thought, you know what? I'd rather be honest and just yes. tell people. And so every time I put that out there, I kind of cringe because I know that somebody's going to say that. Yes. They're going to get upset about it not going in the recycling bin. But the truth is it's out of my house and I'm better off. And moments like that make me the next time take it to the recycling, you know. Yeah. And so it, it's just reality. Right. And so that's that whole reality based of realizing, am I going to tell the truth or am I going to tell what I know everybody's going to be perfectly happy about. But ultimately, I'm helping somebody. You know, when I do everything, if I do everything perfectly, which never happens ever, but if I did everything perfectly, then the people like me are not encouraged by that because we see that and we go, well, I can never do that, so why even try? They see me do it wrong or imperfectly and they go, oh, she's better off because she went ahead and just did it even though she didn't do it perfectly. It's done and wow, she can move on from there. And that actually encourages the people like me. It really does. It really does. And I think that is why so many people are attracted to your message, to your online work, because you have that ability to just be honest about it. And in the internet culture that we live in today, it is so easy to just lie, to cover up, to pretend that you did the right thing. And the fact that you are willing to be so transparent and just like, no, I just threw it in the trash that time. (laughs) Well, and honestly, you know, sometimes I think, I think it was, I was listening to one of your podcasts recently and y'all were talking about, I forget which one it was, but y'all were talking about your parents and your parents being so super encouraging and everything. And I was like, that was me too. And sometimes I've kind of like felt bad for this confidence that they gave me, you know, uh-huh. like, yes. uh, you know, some, for some people, it can be off putting. I, I know, you know, they just assume if somebody is confident that they're hiding something or whatever. But I feel like in some ways that that well, I know that that's part of God's design for this, because I'm like, I am able to go, whatever, they're an idiot, you know, <laughs> where other people don't have that, but they have these same problems that I have. So I'm able to put it out there and delete the comment. I mean, yes. of course it bothers me, you know, but I, I have, it's not going to crush me because I'm like, ah, oh, they don't understand. Or, oh, this is somebody who just happened upon this page. They don't know what's really going on. And so, you know, I'm kind of like, if I can just be that person who just goes ahead and puts it out there so that other people can be encouraged by that. And I'll take the brunt of it because it's going to help somebody else be able to keep going. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. And that's why you're such a great leader of your community. People appreciate that so much. And also, I feel like I can't let this moment go by without saying something that will make you feel better <laughs> about you and recycling. Um, a couple of oh, quite a few episodes back, Rebecca, my co host, Rebecca and I were sharing confessions on the show. And I totally confess that in Oklahoma City, where I live, we totally have curbside recycling. And I get our recycling out to the curb about once every six months. <laughs> so <laughs> you do the best you can. <laughs> yes. I'm sure all of my neighbors every week are like, goodness, because of course, you know, they all have theirs out. But, but I at least got our garbage rolled out to the curb. So always, that is something. Yeah, I'm always counting that as a victory. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> So yes, I relate to that so much. And it's so funny what gets other people going. I have seen 
very heated discussions go down on internet threads about, for example, what to do with gifts you have been given. Is it okay to sell it if it was given to you as a gift? Do you need to take it to Goodwill? What if you just pitch it in the trash? I mean, people get really fired up about these conversations. So yes, they do. You just never know (laughs) what's going to set somebody off. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I used to think through all of that. I mean, I had like 20 different piles, basically, of, okay, this was a gift, but this was actually, you know, honestly, a gift from a birthday, in my mind, I could sell that. Okay. For like my kids, but hand-me-downs, I couldn't sell because they just gave them to me out of the goodness. You know, so then I would have this other way. Well then, you know, it just was so complicated that now I just donate everything because it kind of frees me unless there's something that I go, oh my word, I think I could get real money for this, (laughs) (laughs) which I'm actually usually wrong about that. But, um, for the most part, it's like, oh, it's just so freeing just to donate it all. So I don't have to worry about that. I agree completely. Yes, I need. Yes, I need a simple system or it's not going to work. So right. Right. Well, before we wrap up, I have one last question that I love to ask people when they come on the show. And that is what is the thing that you are always talking about? We've had people share everything from Doctor Who and Grey's Anatomy to like me, everyone knows I'm always talking about personality type stuff. So I would love to hear from you, Dana, what is the thing in your life? that all of your friends and family know you're always going to be talking about. Okay. So you had told me that you were going to ask this question. And this is the question that threw me for a loop. Really? I I don't know why. (laughs) I was like, what do I talk about? I don't know. So of course I asked my family and I'm not going to repeat the things that they said because (laughs) they think they're funny. (laughs) Right. Sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. So, um, no, I, I, you know, I started thinking about it and I was like, what am I into right now? And it's kind of like what we talked about a little while ago where my brain has been book, 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 you know, and there's like no room for anything else. Anything else is just kind of this, uh, whatever, I'll just make do with something else. So that is kind of, you know, my thing. And I I think about how I do throw myself into different things at different times. Uh Um, But my daughter wanted me to say Harry Potter. So that's good stuff too. Yeah. Now that I was like, okay, I can take that answer. Um, and you know, so I basically, whatever I'm into at the moment, I mean, I love to talk podcasting and blogging and business and all that, but I also know that the vast majority of people in my normal life have no clue what I'm talking about when I talk about that. So I don't say that unless I'm with, you know, people who are in that world. Um, but yeah, my family, we, we, um, my oldest son read Harry Potter when he was in fifth grade, and I had been against it for a long time um, just because of, I guess, the people I was around. I don't know. I just heard, you know, I was like, I don't know what that is. Oh, I don't know. I was one of those people. Yes. And um, <laughs> he he read it, and so I read the first one because that's my thing is if my kids are going to read a book that I don't know what it is, I read it as well yeah. so that I, you know, have a clue what – because books are very um, shaping in oh, your definitely. life. definitely, yeah. Yeah. So, so I read this book and so I read the first one and I was like, oh, I really kind of like this, but I didn't keep going. Well, my second child, when he got to fifth grade, he read them and then I read the second one. And once I read the second one, I was like, oh my word, I love these. (laughs) (laughs) And so I um, went on and read all of them. And then I read them again while I was writing my book because. that's so great. Well, it was, it was like a way for me to, um. It would let my brain rest because I enjoyed yes. them so much. But because uh-huh. I'd read them before, I didn't have to keep reading. Yes. Until the exactly sixth one. And then in the sixth one, I was like, okay, I have to get this off my Kindle. Because even though I've read it before, I can't stop. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I know. I love it. My oldest daughter is just now starting the series for the first time. I read them all as an adult as well. I started them a few years ago. Um, I don't know. I, I just missed the whole craze when they first came out. So I read them as an adult. I loved them. And I'm like you, I kind of wanted my older daughter to wait until I felt like she was like really old enough to appreciate all of the nuance of the story and you know all of this in the right. total English teacher approach. To- <laughs> that is me too. And tell me this. Are you, have they seen the movies? We are doing the thing where she reads a book, we watch a movie. We Thank watch the you. movie, yes. Because I, I I find myself, maybe this is something I get really passionate about. <laughs> I find myself getting really upset with people and I'm like, okay, this is a non-issue. I shouldn't be upset. But I'm like, 
how can you have watched the movie when you haven't read the book? I know. I am puzzled because, by that as well. I'm like, but the books are so much better. And when I'll say, you know, something will come up about Harry Potter and they're like, oh, I've seen the movies. And I'm like, mm-hmm, that doesn't count. <laughs> you have not experienced Harry I'm Potter. I'm so judgy. I'm like, oh, so I, just really, I'm, I'm trying to not be so um, adamant about it because I'm like, you know, there's things in life that really matter and that's not one of them. Um <laughs> But anyway, so but I did my daughter is in fourth grade and I I had her read the first one last summer just because we were going to um, Universal in Florida. Yeah. And so I was like, you need to at least read one. And of course, my boys were like, you didn't let us read them till fifth grade. Of course, it has to be fair, mom. I know. right? So but now she's read all of them. And she's yeah. So she's like, we talk about that all the time. And I'm like, yes, we do. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I love it. That's so fun. And I've really loved bonding with my daughter over literature. It has been so fun. And she got really excited. She did the whole the Pottermore, uh, the sorting quiz. And um she's a Hufflepuff and she has other friends at school who are Hufflepuffs. I mean, it's just been so fun. It's so funny. Uh, she did the thing where, you know, they, you can do the wand quiz too. And huh. I am telling you, she memorized her wands description. <laughs> really? Oh, we need to do that. I, I don't know. I think so all fun. of us would be devastated if we were not Gryffindors. <laughs> I mean, we were at Universal and we were like, who would buy a Hufflepuff robe or, well, you know, oh my goodness, those my daughter are Slytherins. With. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've had so much fun with it. So yes, and it's so easy. I mean, it's such a fantastic, fantastic series. It's so easy to spend a lot of time talking about that. So it is. Yeah. It is. yeah. So fun. Well, Dana, thank you again so much for coming on the show today. I know that people are going to want to reach out and touch base with you about some of the things you've talked about today. So why don't you let us know where we can find you all around the web? Well, the easiest way is to go to aslobcomesclean.com slash connect. And that has all of my social media places all over the internet. I'm basically a slob comes clean everywhere except for Pinterest. I don't know why they wouldn't let me have that, but they wouldn't. So Gotcha. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can come find us and connect on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. You can also find the show on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. Thanks for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffert, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at PragerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome.